When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We have a special Sunday edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're recording on Sunday, November 24th. So glad that everybody could join us today, whether you're watching or listening live or archived. Again, glad you could join us today for the Tech Sideline Podcast. We have a lot to get to today as we recap another shutout by the Virginia Tech Hokies. 28-0 winners over Pittsburgh. A lot to dive into today, and we have our normal crew as always here, even on this special Sunday edition. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing. On the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder, and head honcho will steward i'm your podcast host evan hughes let's go ahead and get things rolling again on this special sunday podcast a reminder that this week and every week the tech sideline podcast is presented by the fisher law firm virginia's trusted dui and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic related offenses from their offices in blacksburg and roanoke the fisher law firm handles cases throughout the commonwealth of virginia to date the firm has defended more than thirty thousand people charged with a moving violation for free consulta- consultation call anytime day or evening toll free at 1-800-680-7031 again that's 1-800-680-7031 or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com wow All right, guys. you got it memorized i did you know i left the last podcast and i said i bet you i can read that without uh, I, I have it memorized and I did it. So I'm very wow. proud to say I have that memorized. I really don't need the sheet anymore. You don't have our a teleprompter stu- Our studio is high tech, but we do not have a teleprompter. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, good morning. First of all, thanks for uh, coming in. A special Sunday podcast. Happy Thanksgiving week to you guys. Um, we have a lot to get to today, but... First, I, I just as I always do when we kind of recap a game, want to get your thoughts less than 24 hours removed uh, from a game day in Blacksburg, uh, Bud Foster's final game coaching at Lane Stadium, pouring down rain, but I'm sure it's a little bit sweeter when you come away with a victory. How was your day tailgating uh, at Lane Stadium? <laughs> it was cold, man. <laughs> the box score literally says weather, rain, cold. No kidding. That's exactly what it was, man. But, yeah, uh, temperature 39 degrees at kickoff. Uh wind five miles per hour yeah um Um, uh, we 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 had canopies for our tailgate but but by the end it was it it was 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 pretty muddy yeah you know and uh i had the good fortune to sit inside in one of the indoor clubs so didn't have to suffer through that but it's hard to it's hard to really you get one of those uh, either one of those luxury box environments or the indoor club environment and you just um Sometimes you wind up not paying as close attention to the game because there's so much other stuff going on. Sure. Pe- people tend to talk more and just hang out. You definitely lose touch with the game. Yeah, you can at least. Uh, and and it's not just a noise standpoint; it's it's a focus standpoint. Right. You know, I would talk to somebody, turn and watch a play. Talk to somebody, turn and watch a play. It's like it's like the game's going on in the background or something. Like, like it's on that. television. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's, is what it's yeah. like. Now, now they do. They they did get get they got uh, pretty loud in that box when Narell Pollard ran that. Uh, uh, fumble in uh, for a touchdown, and this and this box was maybe a third full, maybe wow. a half full. You know, it's it's weird to say that uh, the game's over in the first quarter, but I think everybody felt that when he 
ran that in that the game was over. Because yeah, Pitt, so Pitt can't score. And getting that, getting them down to That was scores. one of my uh, first questions I was going to ask you guys yeah, when we so got let's into that. Yeah, dive right into it. Um, absolutely. Uh, so let, let, let's jump right in. First of all, I want to remind those that are watching on uh, Facebook Live uh, to drop your questions. Malcolm will take them down. We'll get to those at the end of the podcast. So feel free to start dropping those questions. Um, let's dive right into it again. 28 nothing win for Virginia Tech. The first time that Bud Foster's lunch pail defense has ever had consecutive ACC shutouts. First time since uh, the 05 season there were back-to-back shutouts. It was non-conference. It was not ACC. It was one of those was Ohio, I think. Yep, it was Ohio, Ohio. and the other one is escaping me, but it was 05. Yeah, Um, so this is the first time shutting out two ACC slash FBS opponents. It's been a while for two FBS opponents in a row. Yep. Well, not FBS, Power power 5. Yes, yep. Because Ohio's FBS. Yep, uh, the Bobcats. But listen, this was a um, this was a game that kind of reminded me a little bit of the rain wise, like the second half of Duke a couple of years ago. Oh nine, uh, yeah. Miami, Virginia Tech. It kind of had that feel to it a little bit. Uh, yeah, and it was also about the shortest game you're going to see in this era of football: three hours, three minutes. Yeah, I thought went, it was by very clock quickly. Was rolling. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to do, and we we're talking about this before we went on there, we're going to kind of piece the game moment by moment and go through because I thought Will said it best last week, recapping Georgia Tech. You know, we're not here to be cheerleaders, but when you win forty-five nothing like Georgia Tech, it's hard to only find but positives. Twenty-eight nothing, um, and, and there's still a lot more positives to take away from this. But I think it'd be better just kind of piece it piece by piece. Um, but again, quickly, the the overall reflections. After looking at this game, well, I'll start with you. Did you see twenty-eight nothing coming? Uh, no, um, I, I'm not completely surprised because we knew going in that this was going to be uh, a defensive battle, and what could change it were big plays and turnovers mm-hmm. and special teams plays. And special teams plays so much didn't change it, but you know Virginia Tech late in the first quarter got the big play out of Tavian Robinson, got a touchdown from James Mitchell on the next play, then got the scoop and score and. Suddenly it's fourteen nothing, and yeah, I mean you just knew. I mean you gotta, you're not gonna, um, you're not gonna put it in the bank. You got to play three more quarters, but you just knew it's going to be very difficult for Pitt to come back from that. So b- before the touchdown, big sequence in this game, and I was taking notes in the press box about things that we could bring up on the podcast right. today. So. Virginia Tech's got the ball just inside Pittsburgh territory. It's a scoreless game. Uh, it's fourth down. Hokies go for it and uh, fumbled snap and Pittsburgh recovers at the Virginia Tech 47-yard line. So scoreless game, and it's looking like Pitt's going to be in good position to potentially score. I was thinking about the the resilience of this team, how far they've come back to the Duke game, the fumbled exchange between Hooker and then Duke went on to win 45-10. How do they respond? First play, Garbett's in the backfield, big stop on a run. Then a swarm tackle again by Davis run. So it's third and seven. Hollyfield in coverage, incompletion. They punt. Shut the and it looked like Pittsburgh was going to have the first crack at potentially getting on mm-hmm. the scoreboard. So even before the big play, Virginia Tech found a way to respond after a co- what could have been a costly turnover. So so sorry to interrupt, but uh, to, to back up a little bit before then, you know, we talked about, and, and Chris brought this up, the, the advantage Virginia Tech had just in the punting game. And up until that point – Although the although the two teams were trading punts, Virginia Tech was inching down the field, you know. Right. And yes, they were finally on Pitt's side of the field, and you could just kind of see it gradually happening. And then they flipped field position by fumble. I was surprised Tech went for it on fourth down, just because of all we talked about last week. Yeah, um, you, you can be patient <clears throat> and beat Pitt. Um, 
So I was surprised he made that move that early because now, Tech was going to punt, and with a decent punt, <clears throat> they were going to pin Pitt back. Yeah. And Pitt can't drive the length of the field. Pitt apparently can't can't drive. <laughs> struggles to drive to the fifty. Well, but yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I was surprised when, when Tech went for it. I, I wasn't. Now, going at, for at, it. What, what was at what point was that, and where were the Hokies? Do you recall? They were just on Pitt's side of the field. Okay. Um, oh, that's right. Okay, because the play before Trey Turner had caught the ball like, right yes. at the first down marker and then backed up, had gone backwards, and Tech was going for it on fourth and yes, one or fourth yes. and two. And and Trey, and that's when the after the play, Trey's doing that like he knew oh, he knew gosh. what he did. I, yeah. uh, I do. I remember. was like, oh mm. no. And yeah, I, I forgot that was a fourth down mm-hmm. that they fumbled the snap. Yep. So again, Pitt gets it back though. I mean, I tell you what, too, and that that was just one of the plays again that third down. Dax Hollyfield, I thought, had a great game in pass coverage yeah. for the majority of the game yesterday. He was involved in a couple of uh, crossing plays over the middle. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, too, uh, middle of the game, they took a picture of the bandage on his nose that was bleeding again. I mean, he just he just kind of he, – he's the, the poster child of this defense, and he – Embodies is this the, the same one from before, or did he get no, no, a different one? No, Gosh. no, no. But it was a mu- it was a bandage that honestly stretched from the top of his nose went down. It was it was it was a really cool picture. Actually. I'm sure I'm sure he went and found some cameras first before he let <laughs> him sure bandage him up. You know, so he's a, he's a trip. Um, again, so so Pittsburgh punts. It's still scoreless. One thing I want to um, ask before we talk about the the 78 yard, or, I'm sorry, the 70 yard plus pass play hooker yeah. to Robinson. Was with the conditions. I mean, you guys were out tailgating. For those that were at the game, I mean, it was it was cold. It was cold rain too. I mean, there's a difference, and it yeah. was it was a little bit windy at times. Are you thinking as you're tailgating, it's going to be already as we talked about in the preview last week with how good their their cornerbacks are in the defense. It's going to be even tougher to pass the ball. Was mm-hmm. that thought going through your head? No doubt. Well, that thought, thought was going through my head all week, and I, th- I think this is the second time that I can recall in the Fuente era where I think Tech has come in with a better game plan for the weather um, than the the, their opposition, uh, the first being UNC back in 2016, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tech only threw the ball 14 times. Uh, Hooker was 10 of 13. Quincy was 0 of 1. Uh, Pitt threw it 28 times. Now, some yeah. of that is Pitt got behind, right. but Pitt likes to air it out anyway. Well, to second that real quick, their first possession of the game, you think they might try and establish the run a little bit with the weather? Three pass plays, yeah, all three yeah. incompletions, yeah. and that, and that's what Pitt does for some reason. I, I don't, I know they don't have as good a personnel in the running game as they used to, but it just seems unpit like. It seems un Narduzzi like to to have that kind of an offense. Yeah, they, I think uh, Pickett was averaging forty passes a game or something. Yeah, like that. so yeah. twenty eight's actually dialed back. A little it, bit. it is. It's dialed. But back then again, they didn't run that many plays. I think they only ran. They, about they only ran fifty five. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, an average three point two yards per play. Yeah. So will let's talk about the pass play. It's one of those classic. It kind of reminds you of the Miami where 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 Hooker kind of rolls out to his right, and then he's looking back left. But the thing that stood out to me most about the play, I want to get your thoughts. Is to me, I I wasn't looking downfield to see if if Tavion wasn't open initially, but it felt to me like Hooker knew he was there, but he was patient. He waited until the last second to throw. It just seemed like that was a throw that he might not have had his first start, but the experience really played a factor maybe in that he play. He waited for that pit defensive back to commit, to commit to the underneath receiver. Yeah, and as soon as he committed. I actually watched that play in some detail this morning. I sat down with the condensed version of the game and went through it right before the podcast. And uh, some of the nuances of that play is that, uh, you know, Tavion went from right all the way to left across the field and James Mitchell went with him. Mm-hmm. And both 
uh, pit defenders got distracted by Mitchell and stayed with Mitchell. I don't know how much of that Hendon read, you know. The, 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 the only reason he was under any pressure was one of the tech linemen. Uh, who's, who's at right guard, Chris? Um, Nestor. Well, so I don't, I don't most think of the time Nestor. But yeah, I don't. It's oh, I think it was Cannon. Um, was kind of in space with nothing to do. And uh, I think uh, Hudson had a lineman occupied, and the lineman beat him and came up the middle. And that's, that's the only reason Hendon was any, under any pressure to begin with. The whole play was laid out very well. Um, and I thought one of the more interesting things was, do you think Virginia Tech showed anything they hadn't shown in previous games? I don't think so. Uh, that run right throwback. The only thing uh, I can think of is that, that reverse to Robinson. The, at the yeah. end around to Robinson, the action, how the, how the fake – that was a different play, and I was going to say that it seems like, seems like Cornelson and Fuente that they break one, like one or two new plays one, out yeah, every week. Yeah. Uh, and the, but and I was, agree to your point. I mean, that whole roll to the right, look back left. We've seen that multiple times this year. Well, the, You're the, like, the, hey Pitt, we're going to do the thing we've been doing, you know, for the last month and a half. Well, Tech's offense is just it's a misdirection offense. Yeah. So that's the that's the basis. So you're going to come out with a. Uh, add a few new wrinkles each week or at least you hope to but the general basis is that it's misdirection and they were going to try to trick you and you got to respect their quarterback to run and you have to respect the quarterback to run exactly uh 263 yards of offense by virginia tech doesn't sound like much but i i thought it was about the best 263 yards tech could possibly have had because of the uh, because of the weather and the type of defense they were facing and then obviously they were up 21 nothing at halftime and then yeah you dial it back at that point just get out of get out of dodge and uh you know as as we talked about they didn't get crazy on third and long uh two long passes i can recall and maybe even the one by quincy were all on first down you know i I remember a deep pattern of the sideline on first down i remember the throw to dalton Keene down the middle that was on first down quincy's deep throw was probably first down you know tech tech would probe him every once in a while early in the uh Mm -hmm. early in the set of downs but you know, to to our point, they they did not get crazy on third down. You know, they just took their losses that they had to and punted. Let's keep uh, kind of going through this piece by piece, big play by big play, as we recap. Text twenty nothing went over Pittsburgh on the Tech sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. So we talked about the throw that Hooker made to Robinson, but then at about the thirty yard line, <laughs> made a great cutback. That was the difference in him getting all the way down to the one yard line. Just thoughts what, on that what, play? What a shame he didn't score. I know. I mean, he deserved it. He deserved he did, it. You know, and, uh, the, and then James Mitchell gets a gets an end around from the half yard line. Right. Gets all the glory. Yeah. Fourth Avion um, was without a score. Do you do you remember off the top of your head, Chris, who number eleven for Pitt is? I know twelve is uh, Ford. Um, Fifteen looks like he's a corner up there in the picture we've got on the television. He's he's attempting to guard. Ford Trey. had like eight tackles early in the second quarter. He was so Pitt's leading. Ta- he was the game's leading tackler with ten tackles. Still got ejected for the targeting, which You're we'll right. get to later. So so eleven was coming. Uh, uh, I guess I guess Ford is probably their strong safety or free safety. I don't know, but number eleven was the guy that uh, that Tavion really juked at about the 30. He came in, and he didn't come in with good form, and he didn't break down very well. He kind of came in with his shoulder, and, you know, he missed because Tavion juked him. So, and then, like you said, Mitchell on the end around, he's a tight end, but, gosh, he can do just about anything in the offense. And to the point you made in the last uh, podcast, he is what a 
traditional tight end in football nowadays look like who can although they traditionally don't take uh end rounds he might yeah. be the only one that does that uh but, you but go, back, yes, go right. back and watch that play and dara saw and, and keen <laughs> clear the oh, path yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that sure did. by the way quick note about that too I, I when james mitchell does well i love twitter i love watching because because the Southwest Virginia guys, oh, yeah. and they, oh, the yeah, Southwest yeah. Virginia crew, they love their, and I love, that's one, one side, of the, I love the pride, Southwest well, Virginia, and when they have guys who go on to do big things, they're going to have no their, their backs. And there used to be, there's, there's not that many players out of Southwest Virginia Not anymore, anymore yeah. And there used to be a ton. Yeah. I mean, Tech would have two or three, four guys on the roster at a time. I mean, they had Chad Beasley, Jake Housewright, uh both on the starting same starting defense mm. right you know yeah and both from and this was when uva used to get guys yeah they, they were both getting guys from yeah, southwest virginia yeah. uh and then you know there's just not as many anymore so when there is a guy like mitchell that comes out of there it's certainly a big deal to those those people i don't blame them it's, so uh, i know people don't want to hear this but their pride is west virginia like you know they it, it's very similar mm-hmm. it's kind of mm-hmm. well it's kind of the it's a similar culture you know sure. a very hyper local culture mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing so Tech's up seven nothing at that point, and they just—I mean, again—they they they started that drive kind of deep in in pit territory, and then the big play to Tavion. Before we get to the defensive play, seven nothing. We've talked so much about this Pittsburgh defense, and Tech's able to go strike first with a big play. How are you feeling at that point in the game, specifically about how the offense could move the football? so early against that stout Pittsburgh defense. I think if you score a touchdown in the first quarter against Pitt, or you touch, you score a touchdown at any point against their defense, you're going to be feeling pretty good, especially early in the game. Um, and Pitt's a team that their their offense is so bad. If you take a lead, whether it's 7-0, 10-0, whatever, you're likely to win the game. I think if you take a lead on Pitt, you're probably going to win. Yeah, that, 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 that's that'd be interesting research, but that that would be my guess. Um, they're not a come from behind team, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I felt I felt good about it at that point, um, especially knowing how well Tech's defense had played in, in recent weeks. Um, I, I felt good about the game all week, and then for some reason, I actually texted him before the game. Oh, well, I, was I, I wasn't feeling. It was I guess it was just the rain. And I, I wasn't, Shades of 2015 yeah, is what we were texting right, about. Right, exactly. Um, it was like it basically just like 2015. I, I show up to 2015 the, versus Pitt. Yes, I go. Yeah. I show up to the tailgating lots, and nobody that I normally tailgate with was there. And I, I literally sat there in in lot two for like 30 minutes before anybody that yeah. I know showed up. Yeah. Just like Pitt in 2015, yeah. same thing. Uh, so <laughs> I was a bad omen. Uh, but then Tech scored early, and I felt a lot better. Yeah. So the 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 pit game in 2015 was, uh, you know, we've got pictures of the air quotes crowd. <laughs> I, I believe the listed attendance was under 50,000. It was. Remember, this was. is Frank's. We didn't know at the time it was Frank's last year. I don't remember that game. What was the final score of that game? It was 17-13 Pitt and Virginia Tech at 100 yards of offense. How'd they score 13? That's what I want to hear. I don't don't remember. Um, (laughs) I mean, it it was one of those games where Tech actually played better offensively in the 2014 Wake game when they didn't score. Uh, right. Um, Yeah, that that was – gosh, that was – and I I think I said this on the podcast the other day. That was the game. That was an early October game. 
and and that's when the conversation about it's time for Frank to retire really ramped up. Tech had lost that? to East Carolina the week before, and yeah. it rained. And they're all, at I was at that game. So, so, so the very next mm-hmm. week, it's another rainy day. So if, if you were the type that go to road games and you went to East Carolina and you sat through the rain and you're like, oh, look, it's going to pour down rain again this week. Yeah. And we're playing pit, and things aren't looking too hot. So it was just – combination of all of that well, and that was just a, that was a, just one of those games you just you never want to go back and watch man it was no. just awful. so we so we were getting shades of 2015 in the morning yeah yeah, yeah that's what we were sitting there thinking man this this isn't knowing full well that this is a much better football team than the right. 2015 Hokies but it just it had that vibe to me at least before the game um fortunately uh tech scored pretty early yeah. and well then, you don't want to go back and watch the game? The good news is we don't uh, have to talk, the, have to talk about it. The 2015 right, 15, that's okay. And the good news is we don't have to talk about it. What we can talk about is uh, on the ensuing very first play from scrimmage after uh, Tech goes ahead 7-0. Um, strip sack from Ashby. Right. Pollard picks it up at the 5, runs into the end zone. The 74th defensive touchdown in Bud Foster's career and at the, Virginia And the third Tech. of this season after having how many? Uh, like none in 2018? I don't think they had any defensive scores in 2018. And maybe one in 2017. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah they, had, uh, they had two against UNC in 2017. Yeah, uh, I think and, they, and, I think and, they and had a special Stroman, team. Stroman score. had one against Georgia Tech that year, too. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I think the, the – up until the Notre Dame game this year, I guess. Um, yeah, that, and that was actually an error that I put in my Monday Thoughts article was I was looking at Virginia Tech's game notes right. for the Georgia Tech game. So their pregame notes for the Georgia Tech game where they list the special teams and defensive touchdowns, and the last defensive touchdown they had listed, and I may have fussed about this on the podcast, the last defensive touchdown they had listed was Stroman's interception return for a touchdown against Georgia Tech in 2017. Of course, the next one was Diablo against Notre Dame, which right. wasn't in the game notes. So that's three defensive touchdowns. In the last four games. Right, and, and two games in a row. And, and that's one of the things that's been missing is the pressure and the turnovers and the scores, and that it's finally arriving. It has a, uh, a really an old-school feel, this defense does. That, that they're really starting to overwhelm people. Yeah. And when offenses are overwhelmed, that's when they start turning the ball over. Yeah. It's about overwhelmed. Pick it on that play, rolling left. I mean, you could tell it was scramble mode. And then Ashby, I mean, it, was, it, was, it wasn't it was your typical strip sack either. I mean, he kind of had to lay out for it. He was kind of diving I down. He just, I thought he Pickett just dropped it. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't think Ashby's hand hit the ball. Maybe I'm wrong. Hard to say. I've, I've, I've watched back it a couple it. of times, and, and the angles aren't clear. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, again, kind of fitting again. Um for Coach Foster's final home game in Lane, for there to be a defensive touchdown, right? Kind of fitting, out. yeah, yeah, and, and the shutout, yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a big time play, and I, you know, I thought Coach Foster had a really, um, really powerful quote after the game, and um, I don't have it in front of me, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but basically saying, you know, one, he was saying, pressure's on the media, jokingly. If he's not first team All ACC, there's something wrong about Ashby. But yeah. then two, like try and find a more valuable player. Or a player that means the most to a defense than than Rayshard Ashby. Yeah, he's top notch. Uh, he was the probably the lone bright spot on the defense last year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, he was con- he was consistent, and, and right. other guys were not. Right. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, and uh, and it, when you're a good player on a bad defense, a lot of the times you you don't get necessarily get a lot of credit. Yeah. People just look at 
the whole thing and say, oh, that's a bad defense. Um, but he was a good player for Tech last year, and I think more and more people are realizing it this year now that now that Tech's defense is, is very, very good overall. So, uh, Evan, do you have in front of you how many tackles Ashby had? I um, can tell you right now. So he was not the leading tackler, surprisingly. Uh, leading tackler for Tech was – I'm sorry, he was. Tied. Connor and Ashby both tied for seven. Which makes me want to talk about Shamari Connor, but let's not go, yet. Yeah, let's go not ahead. yet. Not okay. yet. Yep. Well, uh, <laughs> um, so so Ashby's been linebacker of the week. I think it's four, four times. times. Yeah. And as of the time of this podcast, they haven't announced their players of the week. Uh, and I, I don't know how any other linebackers <laughs> in the in the conference yeah. did, but that's a key play in a big game. Right. And I'm sure he had a solid all around game. He might get it again. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So end of the first quarter. By the way, I wrote this down. Pittsburgh had more plays than yards. In the first half, really? they ran 16 plays for quarter. 11 yards. I'm sorry, in the first quarter, 16 plays for 11 yards in the Man. opening quarter. That's just that. That's just so I'll, old I'll, school. I'll, I'll, I'll use the word again: overwhelmed. I mean, the offenses are overwhelmed by Virginia Tech's defense this year. Now, to be fair, Pitt's offense has been overwhelmed by a whole lot of defenses this year, but not this bad. Yeah. Not zero points bad. I mean, they managed to score on Penn State, right? That was a good game. Yeah, they they they've scored on everybody they played against this year. Um, and you, and you go you go you watch the condensed version of the game where things are compressed, and you see a lot of linebackers for Virginia Tech and Shamari Connor, <laughs> in 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 the backfield being blitzed. Bud was very active with well, the yeah. pressure. Well, yeah, Pitt just doesn't scare you, and teams that don't scare you, you just go right after go them. So this kind of leads into what I was going to say next. So second quarter, so Pickett's got two plays inside the twenty yard line, right? It's fourth and two. And there's a pass breakup. But part of the huge reason there's a pass breakup because Chamari Connor is coming in red hot on a yeah. blitz. I mean, yeah. just um, – we can do it right now if you want to talk about Con- – well, I guess he's got his big hit that we can get to later. But, I mean, there are so many points in this podcast where Chamari Connor's name is going to come up. He was all over the field yesterday. Yeah, I don't I don't remember – what what Pitt did to try to stress him in coverage probably not much you know but but he he played his game being in the backfield somebody on our message words had a really interesting comment about him uh, words to the effect of he's got the strongest hands on the no team. doubt no I like doubt. that when he gets his hands on you you're going down you're not getting yeah. away yeah. Yeah. and I wouldn't call a lot of the tackles you see him making the backfield they're not classic tackling technique not. but he's just so strong he gets a hold of you and down you go absolutely um, strong hands um, I think. You know, they said he was hurt. I don't know if they said he was hurt, but the rumor was he had an injured hamstring in that tough Ding, stretching game. I think they used the whole dinged up phrase after the North Carolina game. Right, I think but said, right. well, he's been dinged up. Yeah, um, it was hamstring for what we understand. Looks a lot healthier now. Yeah. Um, it's also fair to point out that, you know, Georgia Tech and Pitt, they, they don't – Bring they don't stress you like other offenses do, of course. But uh, he does look 100% now. and. That, that's he was playing been, like it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he's such a good player when he's healthy. He really excels in that kind of game where Bud can send him in a lot. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. So I don't want to go too far down this road, but of course there has been a lot of discussion from Hokie Nation about one Pat Narduzzi um, <laughs> leading up to this week. And um, I don't read a, you know, a ton into it, but it is fun. I kind of check Twitter. But there was one moment during the game where I was sitting to myself that tech fans have, have got to love this. And it ended up being a really key part of, of the second quarter. So going again with the big plays here. So Tech has fourth and two from the Pittsburgh 40, right. leading 14 nothing, And I think Tech was going for it regardless. I really do. But they draw Pittsburgh offsides. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there was 
you know, there was a lot of talk this week. You know, he went on Packer and Durham and basically said his team would not have any false starts and the, the crowd wouldn't matter. And at one point, Dax pointed at him with two fingers in the air. Like, how That's many hilarious. false starts? <laughs> and, um, but the offsides, that was critical. Uh, talking more about the X and O's here because Pitt goes offsides first and 10. Then, the you know, the beautiful reverse from McLeese. Uh, all inside of two minutes, and then touchdown tech on that back shoulder fade to Turner. Uh, that was a 12-play, 90-yard drive that took five minutes and 49 seconds just before yeah, halftime so to the go kind up 21 The kind of drive you don't think you're going to get against, against Pitt. Yeah. The, the first one was close to 90 yards, but it was a big play. Right. And y you're not going to get a lot of 12-play, 90-yard drives against uh, against Pitt. Yeah, no kidding. So, uh, so if you cool. think I say 90-yard drive, so Tech had 263 yards of total offense, and 90 of them came on, on one drive. Correct. So yeah. that's like a third of their yardage on on one drive, basically. But yeah, I mean that, you you got the sense that Pitt wasn't going to win anyway, but you knew at that point that I mean that was over. Right, 21 was nothing just, and a half. Yeah. yeah. And we can talk about this in the second half too because he has a similar looking pass. But I believe it, I mean it, um, Hooker's throw to Turner, I wasn't necessarily as back shoulder as the Hazelton throw, but they asked him in the. In the post-game press conference, you know, how how hard have you worked on that? And he humbly kind of gave us. It's like I've worked. A lot. Yeah, basically saying like, I've worked a lot on that he's, throw. He's worked a lot on it. Um, I remember back in the spring game, he wasn't very good at making that throw. Willis is great at that throw. Sure, Quincy's really Quincy's good at that good throw. At it, yeah. And uh, but Hooker didn't wasn't particularly good at it, from what I could tell. Um, but he appears to have certainly gotten better. And that that was a that was a one route play where uh, Hazelton was technically running a slant but he was just a screener um the, the, the one for the, the touchdown to turner the one the in the rub. second half uh, okay if your team uh, is turner. yeah if your yeah. team is running that play you call it a rub right. if somebody's running it on you you call it a pick play you call which it a is pick illegal. play right exactly and so, so <laughs> that's they, a great they, point they, Hazel, they you could tell you could tell it's a one-man route because hazelton just stops stops just stopped and sort of tries the play. Sort <laughs> of tries to get in the pit defender's way you know a rub route yeah so that left Essentially, no time for Pittsburgh. I mean, it was kind of yeah. like a score that was almost, you know, again, so Tech goes to halftime up 21 nothing. Kenny Pickett is 5 of 12 for 56 yards at halftime. Panthers have 78 yards of total offense at halftime. And Hooker was 7 of 8 through the air despite wow. the rain. Yeah, G game's over at that point. Um, and I don't know if you're Narduzzi, what you could tell your team at halftime. I mean, you're on the road, it's freezing cold, the weather's not great. Rain picks up more it, in the second half. Right, right. And, uh, you know, th you know, the defense is going to keep playing hard to stay warm. But, I mean, everybody everybody <laughs> knows what uh, <laughs> everybody knows what the end result of that game was going to be. Whether so, it was going to be 21-7 to 7 or 28 to nothing or, or whatever. I mean, it would have been a miracle. Are you feeling the same way at that point, Will, that the game's oh, yeah, over at halftime? Yeah. yeah, just don't do anything really stupid. Yeah. and you know, it, Just, just run the ball. And, and Pitt had some opportunities in the third quarter. You and I talked before yep. we started recording this. Um, you know, they they uh, they ran a play. They threw a pass to get down inside Tech's ten yard line. They did um, fairly early, mid third quarter. So there was a part of that big. So th this was a drive that. <laughs> Kind of remind me of the Notre Dame drive where there was a lot of penalties, but then it resulted in the missed field goal and then nothing ended up happening. Right. So they come out Pittsburgh on offense. You're right. I mean, you were curious to see how they would come out at halftime. They got the ball. Um, big pass play to the receiver Wayne for 20 yards to open the uh, second half. And then there's two flags on one play on a big shot down the middle to about the 20-yard line. Uh, there's a legal shift on Pump Pittsburgh, it. but at the same time they call holding – on tech and divine diablo came away with the interception yeah. and folks i watched coach fuente after that play and 
to say he was fired up is an understatement. I mean, he was all it's over. It's possible that they called that it ref. on somebody else, but the ref just they got the, got number, the number wrong. wrong. Yeah, who wrong. knows? Yeah. You know, they, who because there were two guys on the receiver, Diablo came in. Correct, and I forget who the other one was. I'll, I'll bet it was actually the other Tech player who was holding. Um or got called for holding, and they just used the wrong numbers. Like, ah, it's one of those guys. It's number 17. Right. Yep. And then, um, and I might actually be mixing up two separate drives here, but there was an uh, – actually, I think it was still on that drive where they took a shot to the 10-yard line, but then there was a holding call on the play that backed them up, and then they eventually – just again, didn't come. Well, I think they eventually wound up with a fourth and eleven from the thirty-eight, and they oh. punted from the thirty-eight. Yep. And you know it kills coaches to punt from the thirty-eight. Thirty-eight yard line. But you it's just worth, can't but kick it's in fourth that and eleven. It's yeah. fourth and eleven. Not, what are you going to do? You're, you're not, not going to pick I mean, it up. I mean, you you barely yep. move the ball in the first half. You're probably not going to pick up a little. So holding call after the pass to the eight yard line. And then Waller. Uh, it was before that. It was third and eleven, and that was a play where there was a pass to the sideline, and Waller came in and actually slid in the turf after he knocked it down because of how wet the field was. Yeah. Excellent coverage at the Tech sideline. Uh, and then, uh, see what I did there? Tech uh-huh. sideline. Uh, <laughs> um, so, and that resulted in the punt at the at the 38. Um, I would have gone for it there. I mean, you're down 21. Yeah, and it's and this might be That might be your only chance to cross midfield. I mean, it, it, that – had they crossed? I guess they had crossed midfield yep. once to that point. Uh, yeah, because they got all the way down. That's and right. Then, that's and right. Missed it on yeah. the fourth and then, down. And then there was another play where they had third and ten at the Hokies' thirty-nine yard line. Mm-hmm. Huge blitz dialed up by Bud Connors coming in, and it resulted in a loss of thirteen to the Pitt forty-eight yard line. Yeah, I remember that play. Yeah. I mean, they were just again. It was uh, keep, just every, multiple every, moments. They, they blitzed. Uh, I think it was they blitzed Connor and Ashby yes. on that play, right? Yes. And they they actually dropped the, the short side defensive end back into coverage. Yeah. And came with a blitz on the other side, and and their pit was outnumbered over there. Um, really well timed blitz by Bud Foster. He's done that a time or two in his career. I yeah, just a little bit. Um, and I'm trying to find right now as I look in the box score here. I'm curious what Pittsburgh was on third downs. Oh, they uh, were in the uh, game. three of three fifteen. Yeah, three of fifteen. And then of course they were zero for three. On fourth downs, and that's something that Coach Narduzzi talked about. We're gonna we'll um we'll get to that a big play from Jod Hewitt in just a moment. But I think the play that everyone does want to discuss, just because it was a hot topic in the second half, was you, get, you remember on Wednesday I talked about that Kaishan Jarrett hit yeah. at about the ten yard line on Pitt. I went back and watched it. it was, yeah, that was a clean hit. That was, was clean. Yeah. <laughs> he hit him with his shoulder. Yeah. He hit him with his shoulder. Did. Yeah. Chamari Connor said, uh, "Hang on, Kaishan Jared. Let me <laughs> let me see what I can Hold do." Hold my beer. Hold, yeah. They, <laughs> how will first of all, when you go back and watch that play, I think it's it's a question to did they call it late hit out of bounds? Because if that was the case, he he, he was in bounds. The player's but, foot was in bounds. Yeah. Though. But two, if it's unnecessary roughness, and that's a completely different call. But the question is, when you guys watch that play, what did you think of the flag? Was that a legal hit in your terms? I, I, I thought when it was happening full time that I, I figured, oh, man, a flag's coming. And I don't know why I thought a flag was coming. Just it was cause. just such a big hit. And sometimes I think the refs do the same thing. They see a huge hit, and they're like, oh, man, there must have been something wrong with that. Let me gotta, throw a flag. i got to sort this out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I actually, I thought a flag was coming when he made the hit. Yeah, just just because. They just because. They just don't let people, let players get away with that stuff anymore. Although, uh, Paris Ford, is that his name? Correct. 
He hit some nasty hits. That dude's uh, good. Was, he's he the, a was, he the, was he the one who eventually got ejected? It was him. Correct. Like, and that's a huge and, loss for Pitt next uh, week, not well, having him like for Boston matters. College. Well, <laughs> Boston College is not particularly good. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say uh, Pitt's defense was what it was cracked up to be. They were, they're very good, very oh, yeah. physical. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a couple of other notes from the, uh, from the third quarter was uh, Tavion Robinson did a pretty good job returning punts in the first half actually was able to get a couple of returns uh, off some uh, and in a game like this you just catch the football that's your that's your main thing on a, yep. on a wet day just catch it yeah but they did put um, Hezekiah Grimsley back to return a punt uh, muffed it but yeah, recovered too he did too yeah. okay he dropped the first one that and then he did do another one later it, uh, does that kind of cement do you think in your eyes that, that Robinson is, is the punt returner moving forward I I think there's enough evidence now for sure that uh he would be the guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then a couple of other big plays. You mentioned this. First of all, this play kind of reminded me of the, uh, the the big pass play to Trey Turner in the first quarter against North Carolina. Hooker, classic pump fake, line of scrimmage, then looks over the middle. Dalton Keene's there, pass over the middle for 35 yards. Keene was there in big moments. He might not show up in the, in the stats per yeah. se, Will, but it just feels like whether it's blocking or a big play once or twice throughout the game, Dalton Keene's your guy. Yeah, you get, you got to love. Uh, so so, what year are these guys? Uh, Mitchell is a sophomore. Keen's a junior. Keen's a junior. Okay, so we only got Keen for one more year, but he's been playing since the beginning, right? He's a true starter since his very first game. You got to love where they are with the tight ends. You know, they need more. <laughs> I mean, they got they got Gallo, but when you see, I was actually thinking about this while I was watching some of the plays this morning. When you see what they do with this offense, when they've got tight ends that that they trust and that have some experience, uh, you know this is. I feel like we're seeing the vision for the offense. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they could use a well, you know, Kishon King's probably the, a game breaker type of tailback. He he just needs to get a little older. He's he's the guy with the Jets. Um, so they're it's they're they're playing really well on offense and you're starting to see the vision for it and all these guys are going to be back and a lot of them are going to be back for the next two years at least yeah that's right yeah so it's fun to think about so oh for here sure we, here we are look, look at that starting offensive line and two years from now every single starter is still going to be a starter on the offensive line yeah, there, were, there was a play. I'm sorry, I don't remember the details of the play, but uh, this was a downfield play, and Tenuta's 20, 30 yards downfield blocking. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, and, and you see that kind of thing a lot. I have to bring up the special teams because I think that as a fan in the stands, even the coaching staff of this team, you know it's your day when this happens. Mm -hmm. uh, this was at the end of the third quarter, and uh, Bradburn, perfect punt inside the five-yard line down at the three. Flag. They have to re-punt, and then another punt inside the five-yard line, down at the three. Is that is that seriously a moment you're just sitting there nodding your head like, okay, this is just – this is text day? Well, give him, you're give just him the right guy right now. Yeah, he uh, – um, that said, I thought his first two punts in the game were, were not uh, Oscar Bradburn caliber. Yeah, uh, probably accurate, but at the same time – with that weather, you're not a, you're not gonna ha probably not gonna have a dominant punting. And, and Pitt, I know Pitt came in on the first one pretty strong, so yeah. I think he was just trying to get rid of it. Yeah, they did. They rushed it. Fourth quarter, I wrote this down in my notes. The icing on the cake. Pitt goes for it fourth and inches at their own 25 yard line. Pass over the middle, and Gerard Hewitt, right hand in the air, swats it away. That was just the uh, that was the, the the clincher. I felt like in yeah. my estimation. Yeah, yeah, you're at run up the score. 
face. That's 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 what's going through your mind right there. You're like twenty one nothing sounds good, man. Twenty eight nothing sounds a lot better. Yeah, right. we well we've talked a lot about guys like Kendricks, Pollard, Garbit. But to me, it feels like Hewitt in the second half of the season has really come along strong. Yeah, yes, I think he's had a good, he's certainly uh, like the rest of the defense. I would say he's come on strong in the second half of the season. And and he was a guy, and, and we could go back and look at this. He was a guy that uh, just played and played and played and played and played, and not many, if any, TFLs. Mm-hmm. No no stats, right. you know. And and yeah, in the last four, five, six games, he's a. Uh, He's being disruptive. He's he's getting stats in mm-hmm. addition to just you know uh, plugging his gap on the field. Right. So he's there's a lot of them that have come on, and he's one of them. Yeah, he's one of those guys who was a guy that always did his job, but he never stood out. Right. Um. So now he's starting to do his job and stand out. Yep. Uh, so you all you always like to see that because he's. Uh, you, you don't like to say one player works harder than 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 another, but. You could make an argument that he's the hardest working guy on the team. Well, he's yeah. one of the leaders. Yes, he has that and, reputation. And, and your leaders also have to be making yeah, plays. Right, right. You know? and, I th- and I think that makes him – the fact that he's now making plays legitimizes him as, as, as a team leader. Right. For I sure. think that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, a couple other notes in the fourth quarter. We'll have to go in depth. We talked about the uh, Hazleton touchdown on third and goal. Um, Pittsburgh had another fourth down and three at the Tech 42-yard line incomplete. This was kind of deeper into the fourth quarter. Um, But, again, I mean, hard to really find anything to negatively take away from that game for Virginia Tech. One thing I'll ask, again, I brought this up last week, and again I'll bring it up because you're watching the game and you don't feel this, but then you look at the box score and you wonder. Again, another game where one big receiver run – Leads a team in rushing. Tavion Robinson, 32 yards. McLeese, 12 attempts for 31 yards. And then Hooker, 20 attempts for 27 yards. One does, again, does that concern you at all that we're not seeing a guy like McLeese or King go for 60, 70, 80 yards? And two, Hooker with 20 attempts. Is that a cause for concern? Hmm. What do you, um, I don't know. Yes, it's that question last podcast. And Chris, I, yep. Chris is like, whatever works. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's what I'm saying. Well, you know, I, I think. Normally, I might be concerned, but uh, not necessarily concerned about McLeese's numbers against Pitt because Pitt's defense is really good. You would like and, your and running game to be more consistent, like, but it's not going to happen right, what, what, in a game. Like I mean, that, that whole second half was spent with Pitt knowing Virginia Tech was going to run the football. Yeah. Uh, what does concern me? I, I, Twenty carries for for Hooker against a physical defense when you've got UVA's on a short week. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would. And, and UVA rested much. a lot of guys in the fourth quarter. Right. I mean, they they beat Liberty something like fifty-five to twenty. That was a game early, man. It was. It was, it was a game. Liberty was up early. in the second yeah. quarter. Yeah. And but, but it eventually it ended up as it should have ended up because, you know, Liberty's not very good. But but yeah, it concerns me that he had twenty carries against the most physical defense Tech has played all year, and now he's got a short week. Yes, so that gets into that whole discussion about how do you feel about traveling on a short week. You've you've had two huge games in a row, or three, four, whatever. Um, so it gets into this, you know, people always ask, are, are bye weeks valuable or not valuable? This is one of those situations where Tech is on such a roll that um, I'm not one. worried about it. Yeah, I'm not uh, I don't want one. As long as he's not actually physically injured. Right, right. Sure. Um, that's my only issue. Like, like I don't think it's that big a deal that uva has had so much time to prepare for tech yeah um they had a bye week and then they played liberty you know i I don't i don't see how that i guess they're they're fresh 
But, man, Tech is rolling right now. Yeah. I would rather be Virginia Tech right now than UVA right now. It's like that I argument. Mean, I don't care what the schedules have been the last few weeks. It's like in any sporting event where a team's got a, a buy, but then you click in the in the play-in game, like in, in March Madness, and you've got momentum going mm-hmm. into that game. But it's like, like if, if Tech loses a football game on Friday, I don't think it'll be because the schedule's different. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any any final thoughts on this Pittsburgh game before we take a break, come back with questions, and, and dive a little bit into basketball? And, uh, yes, and, yes, this is turning into a uh, – I, I love that uh, Pitt has brought the – Yes, good point. Brought the – Brought the attitude, you know. One of the things that uh, that that went away when Virginia Tech entered the ACC was you lost those rivalries against uh, Pittsburgh, West Virginia. Um, you know, you brought Miami with you, so that's still there. But but they're in Syracuse at first, you know. And and I still <laughs> I still miss playing Syracuse every year. Although I wouldn't want to play in the dome every other year. No. But uh, you know, so. I like that Pitt is still bringing the old Big East attitude, and there were a number of things. Gosh, uh, David Cunningham uh, got a video of one of Pitt's players, uh, like, roughing up the, the Hokies in the end zone. He's kind of with Kicking his Kicking up dirt, kind of. That kind of thing. And and then when Tech comes out for uh, Inner Sandman, they come. And then you said, you said you, you saw a video of Pittsburgh players coming out of their tunnel and the two teams mouth. Yeah, no, I was I was other. actually in the press box and I saw. So when Pittsburgh ran out towards the end of Sandman, one of their players was going over and talking, and then um, a Tech player kind of got up in his face. And then again, there was no pushing, there was no extracurricular activity. But I mean, Pittsburgh was fired up, and they. I mean, again, and like I said earlier, Narduzzi went on Packer and Durham and basically said that false starts does not have anything to do with environment. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. about the game in Lane that they would embrace. So again, seriously, Dax going over to him and flashing two for the this second ball awesome, start. Right? I mean, so our photographer Avon was on uh, the field for the Notre Dame game, of course, and he said after the game he heard a Notre Dame player say Virginia Tech talks a ton of trash. Um, if you're trash talking, man, then unless you're Miami, it's probably a good thing because you've got. If you got stuff to talk about right now, right yeah. now, like this defense had, you know, I guess people would say it swagger, right? right. That's how you would describe <laughs> it. I mean, if you got your linebacker pointing at the other team's coach during the game, <laughs> I, that's I, what I, I mean, saw on Twitter. About I did that, not see that, but that, that was the, point, the, yeah. the, the. I've seen the picture of Dax holding up the two fingers. And oh, yes, okay. he is pointed at the Pittsburgh sideline, right. so he's that, probably that, yeah counting. The, so and, and, I just you you, you really just. Stuff like that, you really like the vibe from this Tech team. I, I love how much opposing fans hate Dax Hollyfield. Yeah. It's very oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you had that, you had the, you had the little squirmish before the game. Not squirmish, just the meetings. And, um, and I'll tell you what, Pittsburgh fans on Twitter and Hokie fans, again, Hokie fans invaded the Pittsburgh Twitter comments like the Clemson deal. Oh, like yeah? Over two, like 200 replies of Bud Foster's headshot, had <laughs> Hooker's headshot, <laughs> memes. Um, it was... There were a bunch of donuts, correct? Yes, Malcolm. <laughs> there were a lot of donuts, and then and then Oscar Bradburn, you know, he had the fire tweet about um, 
I think over the summer about Perkins not oh, dropping the hammer, the hammer or something. Right. Like he dropped yeah. the better, rock better or not something. Fumble it or something like better that. Not fumble the hammer. Did you see his tweet yesterday of the Pittsburgh player? I did, but I don't remember what it was. He, so he was kicking up the dirt and the O of Hokies in the end zone, and he goes something along the lines of, "That's the closest they got to the end zone all day." Or he goes, "What's he's, the he's, problem he, with that?" He was he's, like, "He's telling you how many points they're going to score <laughs> as, he's, yeah. as he's scuffing up the O." Bradburn's got room to talk, right? I mean, oh, it, it, I he, mean, when you when you're as good at your job as he is at his i don't care if you're a punter or not and yeah. you know he wants to hit somebody sure. he hasn't he really all, had the chance he played australian rules football can i can i say i know willis had the best quote of last year you know, the scared money don't make money right yeah. after you but do you remember Bradburn's comment when someone asked him what would you do if you had to tackle somebody yeah and he threw the uh pardon our french but he said well jack your ass up <laughs> yeah, i mean <laughs> but he said it seriously i mean he was just uh so anyways uh you're right that's a great point will that it, that pittsburgh and tech has kind of revamped into yeah. i think if you ask fans in terms of games that mean a lot to them of course uva won but pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's got to be up there, right? They're, yeah, I mean, the, uh, I like the North Carolina rivalry too, but North Carolina's fans don't care, mm-hmm. you know. And it's so. Yeah. I, well, I, I think th- what I enjoy about Pitt is their their throwback style to an earlier era of football. Yeah. At least they were until they decided to start throwing it forty times a game. And we'll see what that uh, does to them because they're well, still a very physical team. Yeah, I, I I think they should go back. I think they should, they should change offensive coordinators. I, I think. When you get away from your identity, yeah, is it like that's not their identity. Sure, that, that that that's not what Pitt needs to be doing, and it's surprising me that they've gone in that direction. Quite frankly, maybe they didn't have a choice this year because of their personnel. But I'll say this: what really impressed me about Virginia Tech yesterday was their physicality. Like you don't necessarily expect to match fit Pitt's. Uh, physicality because they're the most physical team on your schedule outside of Clemson they're probably the most physical team in the ACC I think without a doubt I think that's fair yeah Yeah, uh, Tech matched their physicality yesterday I thought uh, for the most part I mean I mean Chamari Connor I mean that that dude looks like he could be playing for Pitt as far as hard as he hits man but they they got a whole defense full of thumpers and uh, but but I thought for the most part Tech matched their physicality. We knew Tech had more skill offensively. It was just, and it you were, it concerns you that Pitt gets you in a street fight, and your young players don't necessarily know how to respond because they've never been in a game like that before. Mm-hmm. But they, well, but they responded, man. And uh, and again, I, I think it's 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 just a really good job by the coaching staff communicating to the players. All right, this is our game plan now, but this is why this is the game plan. This is what we have to do to beat Pitt. And that, that was one of my issues earlier in the year was was I just didn't think Virginia Tech was a physical football team. Mm-hmm. You know, players dropping like flies, mm-hmm. guys getting knocked out of the Boston College game, and and that's another thing that's changed oh. in the last six, seven, eight games is. Well, Tech yeah. has won six of their last seven. The Terra Gnome has a great winning percentage. Sure does. He does. And um, he's just one fourth down stop away from being undefeated. That's correct. Right. And yeah. uh, one, one injury to Hendon Hooker away from being undefeated, yeah. quite frankly. Last thing I want to say about the game before we step aside is to me, you know, I feel like sometimes you watch sporting events and you don't always think this, but I had this thought flowing in the second half. And it's, it's no disrespect to Coach Narduzzi because I, I do think he's a bright football mind. But to me, I felt like Coach Fuente. Coach Foster, Coach Cornelson, the whole staff, they out-game planned Pittsburgh. Like, they out-coached them to me. Was that too strong a thought, or do you think that that's fair? I I think it's fair. I, I do think Tech has 
Well, they're more of a complete team. Like, yeah. like, I mean, Pitt has a great de- – I mean, elite defense. Well, great. you've been saying for weeks that Tech is the most complete Absolutely. team in the Coastal. Tech is, is good offensively, defensively, and on special teams. Yeah. Whereas Pitt is good at one of those three things and bad at the other two. And UVA, UVA is, is good, good at two at, of the three. Right. But, but not, not good offensively. Their offensive numbers are going to look better than they actually are because of what they did to Liberty yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but UVA is only good in – they're good in two of the three phases of the game. Tech is good in all three phases, so they're the most complete team, uh, in my opinion. So, but but I do feel like when Fuente and Bud have the players, when they when they have the right amount of talent, um, they don't necessarily have to out talent the other team, but I, I certainly feel like they get the better of their of their opposite number more times than not. Uh, it's really uh, you know, starting to add up that way to me. That's why it all comes down to recruiting. If if Virginia Tech recruits well, I, I really like their coaching staff. No doubt, yeah. you know. And yeah, I'm, I'm one of the things I was one of the things I was thinking this morning is I I need to go back and watch the podcast after the Duke game and, and just kind of that was see, a, that was a, see what I was saying. We had a that. lot of God. listeners for that podcast. Uh, sure I don't did. I don't want anybody throwing this stuff back in my face. We're sitting here being really complimentary of the coaching staff when I'm sure in that podcast we weren't um but you know what are you going to do uh, uh most reasonable people when they talk about that that week after that duke game mm-hmm. uh, there's like maybe one or two percent of people are like no nah, don't worry about it. everything's going to be okay the rest of us oh, I, all the, of us the poll locks vt ran uh it was everything's fine it's just a young team uh fuente should be fired at the end of the season or we should keep fuente and clear out his offensive coaching else. staff. Yeah. And more people said we need to fire Fuente than anything else. Yeah. Uh, and that was a – you know, you're, you're dealing with the emotions after a game, so you don't want to get emotional. But at that point, you had last year – and it's not like the, the, the Duke game was just like one moment in time, right? That had been building. It was like the Tech, culmination. Tech hadn't played well all year. It had been one thing if Tech played well the first three games and you're just like, oh, they just had a bad night. Yeah. But they looked – that whole month they looked like a bad And football the year team. before. Right, right, right. This goes back uh, 17 games at that point. So there was a lot of evidence adding up at that point. And just the way it's turned on a dime yeah. has been pretty incredible. Like, like how bad would Tech beat Boston College if they played him right now? Well, they, especially I mean, with uh, the backup Boston quarterback, College, correct? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I don't care what quarterback's in there. I mean, that would be a blowout. And, and here's a thought that's neither here nor there. You know, when, when Fuente was hired, uh, everybody was looking at him saying, wow, look at what he did at Memphis. Well, you know, he's been gone four or five years now, and Memphis is still ranked and still winning. Mm-hmm. So does that um, – What's how am I looking to phrase this? Does that denigrate's not this too strong of a word? Does that devalue what Fuente did at, at Memphis? Given that yes, you can apparently win there, right. or is he, the guy winning there now because of what Fuente? Because did? Of the, he, of he did the lay the foundation though, because right. they they were one of the worst teams in the FBS when who, he who, took over. Who, who's their head coach? It's a great question. I do not Mike know. Norvell. Norvell. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I don't know okay. where I pulled that from. That, that was impressive. Will, Will I have no idea if that's the, correct or not, but I'll pass No, I think he was. No, that's First right. of all, I knew that Pitt was 3 or 15 on third down, and I just pulled Norvell's <laughs> name out, man. I'm having a good day. So here's what I want to do real quick before we take a break, because I'm sure we're going to get a lot of questions, and we're going to want to save a lot of this for Wednesday, right. because this is a Pitt recap podcast. We will have a uva tech preview on wednesday and believe me we'll go in depth but i'll give a tease for those listening because we want to come back wednesday how are you feeling going into uva good man 
pretty daggone confident. I, I mean, I felt like Virginia was a better team than Virginia Tech last year, and they should have won that game. Uh, this year, I go into that game, and I, I and I respect what Virginia's done this year. They're eight and three for a reason, and I think Rocco Mendenhall's done a great game. But Tech is the more complete team. Yeah. Um, and, and you can't sit here and look at Tech's offensive stats, and 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 say, oh yeah, but they look like they're an average offense. Well, you know, you have to throw the Ryan Willis offense out. I mean, this is just a totally different group. Um, so, to me, Virginia Tech is the most complete team. UVA is one-dimensional offensively, which I think they're going to be hard-pressed to get much going against Bud's defense. Man. That's, that's the way – that's what I was thinking was – and I got a lot of respect for Bryce Perkins as me a too. player. And he, and he will make plays that will make you shake your head. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and maybe some of that will be going on, but I don't know. The way Tech's defense is playing right now, um, a better question is to look at UVA fans and ask, how are you feeling about the game? Because you're not feeling like you were two months ago. Sure not. Right. Yeah. After that Florida State game. All right. Well, I mean, listen. How could you feel good when you're playing a team that's beat you 15 years in a row and nobody scored on them in the last two weeks? Uh, the, how, uh, nine quarters. You go well, back the to the fourth the last quarter. Ten quarters have been 103 to seven. <laughs> I mean, how could you feel good going into playing that team when they've already yeah. beaten you 15 times in a row? Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to table it there again, and we're going to uh, again. We will have a full Tech UVA podcast on Wednesday. Believe me, we, we will get to it. Want to do this? Let's step aside for a timeout on the Tech Sideline podcast. We're going to go rapid fire in about three or four minutes on men's basketball getting ready to play in Maui over the next three days, and then we will get to your Facebook questions. You're listening to the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back aboard the Tech Sideline Podcast. Our thanks to the Fisher Law Firm, as always, for sponsoring the TSL Podcast. Again, we've got our normal crew today, this special Sunday edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast, less than 24 hours removed from the pit game. Malcolm Stewart, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, Evan Hughes along with you. Quickly, rapid fire, guys. Let's go quickly here. Uh, I do want to mention men's basketball. Again, they um, are undefeated. Uh, they beat Clemson to open up the season. They are going down to one of the um, uh, probably the best non-conference tournament you could play in in Maui Mm -hmm. Uh, they're going to play number three Michigan State and then the depending on what happens with Georgia Dayton we'll see from there Monday Tuesday and Wednesday in Maui Chris I'll start with you Um, again this is a young team for Virginia Tech and I know I could tee this up for you that Michigan State's going to be a handful what would result in a positive trip for Virginia Tech to Maui in your estimation well, you want to come out with a win. Win a you, game. You don't want to go 0-3. <laughs> yeah. Because um, that means you probably lost to Chaminade. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, has happened. But yeah. Yeah, They beat Texas so, a couple so, years ago. So, you're right. so let's say Tech does lose their first two uh, two games and then beat Chaminade on Wednesday. Gosh, Wednesday we can just – it'll be UVA trash talking day. The, the football game's two days from then, and we can talk about how hey, we can beat Chaminade, but UVA can't apparently. So Virginia Tech is <laughs> – you, you know they lost to Chaminade. In the right? 80, of you're course, right, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Virginia Tech has actually beaten Chaminade. Uh, really? I believe it was the 84-85 season. Oh. Um, 
I, I researched the other day and I put it on the basketball board. The, you know, everybody remembers that Chaminade beat the Ralph Sampson UVA team that was number one in the country, but they have something like six or seven yeah. or eight other upsets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. None of that caliber, but they're all pretty impressive. Seriously, yeah. they, excuse they, they just beat Shaka Smart's Texas team a couple of years ago. Like, they're not. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look it up, the ever the, in the last 30 years, they've, they've, they pop off an upset about every four or five years. Yeah, people go out to Hawaii and. Have a little bit of a good yeah. time. It's ah, we're playing a Division Three team yeah, uh, or whatever. Are yeah. they Division Three? Is that what they are? They're not Division One. Are they two uh, or three? I don't even know. NAIA. I don't know. They're not, sure. I don't think they're NAIA. I think they're Division Two. Well, let me three. ask you this. I mean, Michigan State honestly could be the toughest team Tech plays the entire year. Even though the ACC with Louisville and many think that Michigan State it's, they return Cassius Winston, possible. they could win the national championship. Winston's like one of the best players in the country. Correct. Right? Not just the Big Ten. What 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 would you like to see from Tech against Michigan State? Um, stick to the things that have made you successful and, and, and what has made Virginia Tech successful so far is, is hustle, effort, rebounding from the guard positions. You know, do those things. Uh, don't just start jacking up threes. Virginia Tech shoots almost as many threes as – what are they, third in the country? Something like that. Like, yeah. So, like, don't jack up threes, but, yes, jack up threes. Yeah, yeah. you know, good shots is what yes, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I guess just just don't lose your mind. Right. Uh, if you get down 10, 15, 20 points, um, you know, just don't don't lose by forty. Don't go into the tank. Yeah, like, don't go st- into the stick tank. to the plan. They did uh, just break uh, yeah. set the program record for three pointers against Delaware State. Twenty one made threes. That's also the most threes made by an ACC team ever. ever. And of all teams to do it, it was Florida State in two thousand seven. So yep. it's not like yeah. it was this modern three-point shooting era where everybody's shooting a bunch of three-pointers. It was a Florida State team that is known for their inside play under Leonard Hamilton. Yeah. That's a, that's, so that surprised me. So, I, I don't know. Uh, also, I would tell them to trust themselves. You know, they, they know they've got some guys that can shoot, find the open man. If they start dropping shots and make this a game, you know, yeah. it could be interesting. Okay, cool. Any, any other thoughts about the Maui uh, tournament you want to add? No. I, I mean, I, I just uh, – I think it's going to be tough on Tech out there, to be honest with you. But at the same time, I, I hope I'm surprised. I, I feel like they're a confident team right now. But at the same time, you look at Kim Palm and they have the dead last schedule in the whole country. They haven't played anybody. The, the game you want to pay attention to, if they lose to Michigan State, they'll like play either Georgia, Georgia or Dayton, Dayton in the yeah, next game. That, that, that will tell you more about this team than playing Coppin State or playing Michigan State. Right. That, yep. that, that's kind of a measuring stick right. game. Okay, and then the Michigan State Tech game again. Uh, we're recording on Sunday, but that is Monday. That's tomorrow. Um, that's tomorrow. That's five p.m. Five o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, PN two two or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. They've got hey, they've got the uh, heavy hitter commentators out there. They've got Billis. They've got uh, Bill Walton's out there. Oh, Bill Ross um, in Jamaica right now. Yeah, yeah. Bill's in Jamaica. Yeah. Did you <laughs> see? Yeah. Doing uniform reveals on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> He had a great tweet, by the way, yesterday. He was at the poolside with his uh, commentator, and he was like, we are always prepping as broadcasters. It's both of them at the pool with their boards out. It was uh-huh. a very right. funny picture. Um, okay. Sorry, that wasn't very rapid fire. No, that's all right. Uh, I will add this. Um, it is happening today for those listening on Monday. It already happened. Uh, but men's soccer uh, is the number 10 overall seed in the NCAA tournament. No they kidding. earned a yep. they earned a first-round bye. And they play 16th ranked in the country, New Hampshire, out of the America East, a very strong mid-major program today at 4 o'clock at Thompson Field. Um, so very. Uh, Do you know anything about television for that? 
I, I'm calling it on the ACC Network, actually. Okay. At uh, four. <laughs> so he knows a lot about it. Then. So, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> you demand. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it should be a, a really, really good match. And Tech's come along strong. They beat Duke to end the season. Then they won their first round of the ACC tournament. Then they lost to PKs and to Wake Forest, they, who's one of the best. So they were right they, there. Oh. Um, their schedule's been brutal. It has. Yeah. They, wow. they're Which top is why ten they're the 10 overall seed. Yeah. Top 10 yeah. in RPI. They only won, what, nine games in the season, but they're the 10 <laughs> overall seed, which about that? shows you what their schedule was like. Yeah. So, And if they win, that, that would put them in the Sweet 16 for consecutive seasons. Last year they lost to JMU in the Sweet 16. Hmm. Uh, JMU's got a really strong soccer program, but they are not in the tournament, I believe I saw. Or wow. they lost first round. Okay. So, anyways, uh, that's the men's soccer update. Volleyball wraps up their season this week. Uh, of course, women's soccer, unfortunately, lost to Xavier in the first round of the NCAA yeah. tournament. And uh, wrestling placed first at the Navy Open Tournament yesterday. And placed first? It was not a duel. It was like a, a bunch of nice. teams there. Uh, David McFadden won his um, weight class couple other Hokie wrestlers did well. So, again, that's your kind of quick. And then uh, women's basketball home Sunday night against Davidson out of the A-10. Should be a pretty good um, non-conference matchup tonight uh, for the Hokies women's team. So, I think that's our – I don't think I'm missing any teams there, right? That's I about it. I think you covered it. Okay, yeah. cool. Now, without further ado, let's turn it over to the best uh, producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm sure Facebook is hopping on this uh, Sunday morning turned afternoon. First of all, how are you doing, Malcolm, and uh, what do we have? All right, we're doing well. Uh I think 85% of the questions have the word UVA in yeah, them. I had a feeling that <laughs> was That's coming. okay now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had one I wanted to start with. Oh, uh, coach awards are coming out and all that. We're talking about Bud Foster maybe getting whatever that The Broyles Award? Yeah. Uh, he, won't, he won't get it because defense doesn't have the rankings this year. I mean, yeah. they would have to absolutely dominate UVA and then dominate Clemson. Yeah. Right. But, but – he he deserves maybe they should rename it the Foster Award or something like that. He deserves some kind of life, lifetime achievement award. It's just really cool seeing him go out on a good note. Like yeah, that. it's also really sad. I mean, look how good we are right now. If I they know, have that dude yeah. back next year, it's, it's 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 all about the next hire. I know. Don't rock the boat. This team's the defense finally has some momentum right, right. in the right direction. Don't screw it up. Exactly. <laughs> so going off of that, the question from uh, Jeremiah Perry is: Does Fuente have a good chance to win ACC Coach of the Year? If they beat UVA, for sure. Um, obviously, it comes down to that. If, if if UVA wins that game, then then Bronco will probably win it. Uh, I have some sympathy for. Uh, Dabo Sweeney because when you're expected to go undefeated every year all you can do is match expectations you can yeah. never exceed expectations and generally the hit coach of the year is given to the guy who maybe exceeds expectations like that Louisville happened. Scott Satterfield right Satterfield yeah, Satterfield's is the done, other a, guy. done a good job uh, that's who I think I think the voting is going to be close I think it could be too I mean I, I think you can make a strong argument for the winner of the Virginia Tech UVA game the the coach of, of either one of those teams and then Sweeney and then and then Satterfield I still think as far as in season coaching I think I think Fuente is is the clear one I mean I, I adjustments th- th- in this, season this is something that's just it's not the tech the fact that they were two and two they've turned seasons around before but this year I mean they went from being bad to really good I mean tech wasn't bad in 2010. You, you knew you – knew, I mean, they almost beat Boise State. They were 0-2, but you, you knew they weren't – that wasn't they were a good football, football team. They let yeah. Boise State beat them twice, as you said. We had no evidence at all that this was a good football team until it became one. Yeah. So – and it became one overnight. So, so yeah, I, I think 
I'm biased, of course, which is why I have no business voting, but I would vote for him if Tech beats UVA on, on Friday mm-hmm. for sure. Any idea when the voting is done? Is it pre or post ACC championship? Oh, it's, it's at, uh, it's, I think they announce it the week leading up to the ACC championship game. See, that's dumb. That's they might even dumb. announce it like the day before or something. Chill out, man. Just wait another week because because what if what if Fuente uh, beats UVA and Satterfield if, beats him out for ACC Coach of the Year by a narrow margin, and then Tech pulls the miracle upset in Charlotte? Now, you, right. You're looking idiotic Sh- now, right? Because exactly. you not to denigrate Satterfield, but no, Fuente's clearly Coach of the Year if he beats. Yes. Uh, I, there are two different kinds. Of, I mean, Satterfield inherited a two and ten program with with. Uh, you know, Petrino and, oh, and the Met. I mean, yeah. unreal, right? But then in terms of really, yeah, it, it's, I feel like it's two different kind of jobs that right. both have done. And, 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 and Dabo gets the third kind of award for building, right. building the program. And as so. you said, there's, if he loses a game, like the expectation's 12-0, and 0, like you right. said last week, so there's right. nothing. So anyways, long right. answer to a great question. Right. Uh, there's also still plenty of questions. Is there any names for Bud's job? Nope. Nah. Nope. No. Um, somebody told me that it was the it was going to be a, a a fairly young guy. Uh, so, I, I, but I don't know who that could be. Hmm. No clue. Um, I've, I've thought maybe the Missouri defensive coordinator, who was a uh, who's done a really good job at Missouri. I forget his name off the top of my head, but he was the DB's coach at Memphis under Fuente, and hmm. then went with Odom. To, so when Odom went to Missouri, he correct. took the DB's coach with right, him. and okay. then and then. That guy became defensive coordinator. And, and to, to fill that in, Odom was Fuente's defensive coordinator at Memphis. At Memphis. Right. And when Fuente left to take the tech job, Odom took the Missouri right, job. Right. I so, believe so it was this the same guy, way. this guy, became the heir apparent to Odom. Uh, or basically, he learned under Odom. He's their version of Tory and Gray, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, so I, I've always thought maybe that was a possibility, and he would go, fit in line with the young coach part that I've heard, but. You know, I don't. I don't know anything for a fact. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So it's been asked three or four, maybe five times. Uh, injury differences on both sides of the field for the Tech UVA game. I don't, I don't know anything about their injury situation. They've I mean, they've lost some defensive backs. I mean Bryce Hall, obviously. Of course, yeah. But I um, think they've lost some other guys. But I do think they've gotten one back recently. Uh, yeah. I mean they, they they were banged up on defense recently, but now they had a bye week and then they played Liberty. They should be as fresh as as they could possibly be. Um. Yeah. You know, without Bryce Hall, of course, um, he- heading into the Tech game. Uh, Tech should be pretty fresh, too. Um, uh, Tech did not have to expend very much energy to beat Georgia Tech. In fact, I mean, most of their, like, most of their starters played fewer than 30 plays on defense in that game. Yeah, that's um, true. The Pitt game, Pitt only ran 55 plays. The, neither side of the ball was stressed in the second half. Um, so I, I think Tech should be pretty fresh. Hooker's probably got a few bumps and bruises today after after been leveled twenty times by those brutes he was facing yeah. yesterday. And, but and, uh, you know, knock on wood or, or cross your fingers or whatever. When we were talking earlier about uh, how physical Tech has gotten in the last couple of months, the number of injuries has also dropped. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that works. You know, I, I was having serious questions about this strength and conditioning and medical staff's ability to keep players on the field. Right. And two months later, I'm not thinking about that anymore. Yeah. And that we've seen players for other teams drop. Yeah. It's 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 odd. It's not like Tech's players suddenly got bigger and stronger overnight. It's it's weird how that's a momentum thing. It seems that injuries seem to be a momentum thing, except for the freak injuries. You know, I'm talking about mm-hmm. patterns. Uh, where was Trey Turner yesterday? Is he going to be there for UVA game? 
I would think so. He took a shot. He took a shot to the head from yeah. from Paris Ford that. Yeah. And, and I watched Trey, and he hopped up real quick, and then he got a kind of got a look about him like, Ugh. yeah. You know, I don't want to over dramatize it. Well, but, well, sometimes you don't feel those hits until a few seconds later. It yeah, you know. Yeah. So I assume they checked him out, and we haven't heard anything, but. We're not uh, going to hear anything. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to. Uh, Even through back channels, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would think he would play, though. Um, I, I'll say this. Trey will play if he's allowed to play. Right. Uh, now, they have the con- concussion protocol these days. Uh, and back in the day, it was more like a gut feel, but now you have to actually pass required tests. It's very or, structured. Or, or, like, if you've got your helmet on and they've got the monitors in your helmets, so they'll take you off the field like they did Caleb Farley. Yeah. Right? Caleb Farley. In any other past season, really, before these modern rules, he would have kept playing against North Carolina. But uh, the their computer said he shouldn't. Right. So uh, his head accelerated uh, this fast on that play. It, it, exactly. You need to take him out. And I, I, and you know, I agree with that. Honestly, uh, I, I think, I think the problem is Virginia Tech does that. You think Alabama would do that? You think Clemson? I, I don't. I don't think they would come out of the game in a big game for one of those schools but that's another conversation <laughs> but but uh I, yeah I, I think trey will play that's that's just my gut feel <clears throat> all right uh and boyce asks what's our biggest advantage and biggest disadvantage versus uva i think our biggest advantage is uh just the ov- overall balance like i said tech is good in three all three phases and uva is good in two of the three phases in my opinion uh so i, I, I but if you want to get into specifics I really think UVA is gonna gonna struggle against Tech's uh, defense. Uh, I think they're gonna struggle to run it outside of Perkins, maybe. And I don't think they. I think Joe Reed's a, a good player, but I think he's limited in their offense. Uh, he's just he's not not the big play threat this year. Uh, outside of a few plays here and there, of course. Um, see, I, I just I don't see their receivers being able to match up with Virginia Tech's DBs. Uh, I mean, Tech's corners are playing at an elite level. And they did it again Saturday. Yeah. They, they made. A I think you're right. Not just a good level. No, they, I mean, they're playing elite. Well, they, they made a statement early. early. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Farley's a great player. Yeah. I mean, you, you can go ahead and say it now. That guy pretty much finished the whole season. I mean, that guy is a top-notch defensive back. I never would have put money on that <laughs> at the end of last year. You know, it, it, there there was the whole youth versus talent argument. Right, right. And and and. Chris and I would have these conversations in the office, and I'd be like, "Chris, I know they're young, but I also don't see any talent there." <laughs> yeah. Ugh, wow, wrong. <laughs> um, I always saw the coverage talent in Farley. Um, like, I'm not so sure I, I even yeah, did that. Uh, yeah, see, he, uh, he didn't have a bad year last year in coverage. Um, he just couldn't tackle. I don't know that he's any better tackler this year. He doesn't have to because the front seven's so awesome. They're better, and and, 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 that, and that's that's the th- thing, man. Most cornerback, your your worst tacklers, generally speaking, are your cornerbacks, and you don't want them to be exposed very often. Well, Farley, unfortunately, because the front four was so bad. And Last the, year he got exposed a lot. He and found it, him, through situations that weren't his fault. He found himself in one-on-one situations against uh, who's who's the running back for Florida State? Oh, Cam, Cam Akers. Yeah. Cam Akers. And again, Pitt. And Notre Dame. And, and, he kept finding himself in those situations. Yeah, and, and that's not an ideal situation for – most cornerbacks to be sure. in and he hasn't found himself in this in the situation this year as much because you just can't get much going against virginia tech up front these days yeah all right one more question malcolm what you got all right <clears throat> uh from brady hess in buds last year we've seen and heard testaments and tributes from 
many of his former stars. However, we haven't heard or seen anything from Corey Moore. I know Moore came around some when Beamer retired. Are we surprised that there hasn't been an appearance from 56 during Bud's last There run? has been an appearance. I put a picture on the uh, message board and said, is this Corey Moore? And it's Bud Foster, Corey Moore, and Charlie Wiles. Okay. Corey, Corey so was, what, was at this the yesterday? game Saturday. Was it? Yeah. Okay. And people said, yes, that's Corey. Um, you know, he looks different. He looks a little fuller around the face, and I think he's got a beard now, but the eyes are still there. And I'm like, man, that's Corey Moore. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's always been a quiet guy uh, as far as how uh, – like, well, like we've requested an interview him before, and he was like – and he declined politely. But he just – he doesn't like to be in, in – for whatever reason, he doesn't like to be in the limelight. Whether yeah, that's so, giving somebody a quote about Bud Foster, whether that's doing an interview. Uh, uh, way, way back in 2000, and I don't, I don't even remember how this got set up by it, but I interviewed him uh, the year after he uh, left and left Virginia Tech, and I remember talking to him on the phone. And again, I don't know how this got arranged, but uh, um, he he was a good interview, and where he really got wound up was when you got him talking about the Hokies. He started talking about the defense they were putting on the field, and they were really young in 2000. And he just he just was very complimentary of them. And then years later when – I don't know if he's still at Michigan State or not, mm-hmm. but he was working at Michigan State, and we traded emails. I emailed him, and I said, you know, uh, everybody is asking me to – asking they want an interview with you. And he, he just very politely declined. He's, and I don't remember what he said. Uh, and I, But I always think that – Corey's just a guy that when he left, he left it behind him. He's, yeah. he, I guess he's just one of those people. Um, he still loves Virginia Tech, but it's I, I don't want to put thoughts in his head. I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah. But he just um, – somebody told me once that he was embarrassed by his last defensive performance against Florida State well, in the, uh, in the national the game, championship Not just the game, but I think game. the whole lead-up, how he behaved that week. But somebody told me yeah. that. Oh. I, I, it, it not – you know, and yeah. Corey never told me that, you know, but it's almost as if he just wants to put that part of his life behind him, even though he still loves it. And almost as if he doesn't want to speak for that era, even though he was front and center. It's hard to figure out what he's thinking, but he's he's a good guy. Just doesn't want to be interviewed. Yeah. Interesting question. Thank you, Brady. Brady Hess. Yep. The man. Um, all right. Well. I think that's about it for the questions. Thanks to everybody for chiming in. Thanks for everyone for being with us on this uh, special Sunday edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. It is Thanksgiving week. Uh, there are three games in Maui. There is a football game Friday. And, oh, by the way, there's ago. a would holiday. You like to, would you like me to ask me how much uh, content we're going to have this week? <laughs> Chris, how much oh, content are you going to have this week? Pr- probably more than I can have time to post. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I have, still haven't decided what I'm going to cut back. Exactly how I'm like. I'm not going to write a game preview for each basketball game because I'm just not going to have time. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I we'll have our normal normal week of content. Just everything's maybe pushed compressed. up a little bit. Yeah, compressed. Th- th- uh, this and this is the worst part about doing what we do for a living is is every one of my Thanksgivings has been compromised for 20 years now. Oh, I don't yeah. go to Thanksgiving. I I I, I mean. At this point, like, like this week, Thanksgiving, that's going to be like my day off. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't want to go anywhere, man. I just want to chill. It's going to yeah. be like a Sunday to me. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll squeeze out the usual in, uh, you know, five days of content in three days. We'll also have a podcast for you on Wednesday. Um, Do we know what time we're doing that? Let's say we're going to talk about it afterwards. But right. I, I think somewhere either around 
10 in the morning or like 12 30 we'll figure it out but it'll be some it'll Mid- be wednesday middle of the day, of the day. To early yeah. yes so okay. um we can talk about that afterwards but yes we'll have the uva um podcast hopefully everybody can uh, chime in with some questions and then looking forward to that yeah, yeah. i'm looking forward to it too <laughs> well that's gonna do it for this edition of the tech sideline podcast again the Hokies knock off pittsburgh 28 to nothing and we'll talk about UVA on Wednesday. For our fantastic producer, Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and head entrepreneur, Stewart. I'm Evan Hughes saying so long. Thanks so much for watching. This has been another edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm.